It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Much like Backstreet, he is back. Alan Saunders back on Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. Alan, what's going on? I'm back. I, you know, it's been, I, there was like a walked in here and there was like a spider web. Like, yeah, I had to like, like brush aside the cobwebs uh, because it's been too long. It's been too long. Uh, took a little vacation over Labor Day weekend. Great to be back. Great to be ready for week one. I'm refreshed. I'm recharged. Did some reading. Uh, I felt like all my words were much better today and yesterday. Um, it's great. I'm good. And then we got um, some news. Big news. Yeah, like, I was going to say, you're it back makes, and Nick Bosa's back. It makes back my job and this show a lot easier when there's important big stuff to talk about. What's the important big stuff to talk about? Well, you know, Nick Bosa didn't want to sign when we had Nick Faribault on here. He was gracious enough to wait until you returned to the show. I, I asked him to, and he was like, all right, fine. I'll wait until <laughs> Wednesday when, when you're back, Alan, so that we can get this done. Yeah, so Nick Bosa back in the fold now for the 49ers. Massive deal, highest paid defensive player in NFL history. Of course, that just means until the next guy of that caliber is up for a new deal and then they're going to break it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, back in the fold. Yeah, there you go. There's the next <laughs> Nick Bosa back in the fold. The Steelers have said from Mike Tomlin to Dan Moore, et cetera, et cetera, they've been preparing for this. They fully anticipate that he was going to be on the field. But what does this mean now that we have the clarification that he is going to be out there on Sunday? Not much. I mean, I kind of knew that we – I felt like this was going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little bit honestly looking at the number, surprised that it took them this long to agree on this number. I think this is a number that Bosa would have agreed to a long time ago. I don't really know what the holdup was here. Maybe it was on the 49ers part that they were kind of dragging their feet. Um, but, you know, there's I, – I, like you said, like the Steelers have been preparing to play Nick Bosa. The, I saw, you know, the, the tackles and tight ends working together in tandem on run blocking today. That's kind of the very thing you would be emphasizing if you're going up against an elite edge rusher. And, you know – I don't think it – I mean, obviously, he's a really good player, right? It hurts the 49ers if he doesn't play. But I kind of felt like like guys don't throw away paychecks. Even guys that really want a new contract, I would have been surprised, really surprised. If he missed this game, I'm not surprised that he's going to play in it. Obviously, his presence means a great deal to that San Francisco team that now I think you can you can very easily say has like an, an all-out killer playmaker – at all three levels when you put Bosa on the front line and Warner in at linebacker and Ufanga back at safety. I mean, I think that's like, that's like three all pros, like one, two, three in a way that not very many other teams can do. It certainly will be a strong challenge for the Steelers offense for the tackles and their pass protection for Kenny Pickett. But I think it's, it's the challenge we've been expecting this whole time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I actually tweeted about this last week and then Tomlin talked about, you know, a similar situation with TJ going into 2021, signed like three days before 
the Steelers went to Buffalo. I the one difference when I brought that up to Nick, Nick was talking about TJ was still you know doing conditioning around the team every single day. That hasn't necessarily been the case with Nick Bosa. So from your perspective, what are you anticipating? What version of Nick Bosa, or like is he going to be on a pitch count, or should we just expect to see Nick Bosa full go on Sunday? I would expect to see Nick Bosa full go. Uh, the one thing you worry about if you're San Francisco would be a soft tissue injury, right? I mean, I think that's the thing where if you're not really ready to go, like a hamstring or a groin or something like that, I think that's that's the concern. If, if, if I'm San Francisco right now and I'm looking at how I want to deploy my team, that's, that's what I would be worried about. But I will see how they approach that. I, don't, I bet if you put a microphone in front of Nick Bosa's face today, he'll say he'll play them all. You know, I, I doubt that he's been sitting at home on the couch doing nothing. I'm sure he's in good shape. He's an elite player. And I think we've seen time and time again, elite players uh, do not necessarily need, you know, all this training to be ready to go. TJ Watt is a prime example. He was doing things with the Steelers, minimal things. I mean, he was staying in shape. He was around the team. He was in meetings. But look, you know, defensive line is – with all due respect to the people that spend a lot of time in it, and TJ Watt maybe spends more time on it than anyone I've ever heard of, at the end of the day, you know, maybe the least mental position in football. Like, this is go, like, yeah. see ball, get ball, right? I mean, this is this is physical dominance more than it is about being aware of what your teammates are doing in the, in the play. I mean, they do have a new defensive coordinator. I assume there's going to be some new – in the San Francisco defense, Steve Wilkes taking over for D'Amico Ryans now that he's the head coach with the Houston Texans. I just, you know, I I, I think he's going to play, and I think he's going to be very good. TJ in that game against the Bills had two sacks, a tackle for a loss, and a forced fumble was a major reason why the Steelers won that game. I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all if Bosa has the same kind of production. I'm glad you brought up the defensive coordinator thing because I brought that up to Nick yesterday too. And I was going to get your thoughts. If you, if you didn't bring it up, I was going to ask you about it. If you like took that in consideration at all, either, I mean, going from the Mika to Steve Wilkes, really the differences of their schemes are on the back end and in the blitz pressure, how often they want to blitz. So there really is nothing like schematically different about the way that they do things on the defensive front anyway. Uh, but I didn't know if that was on your mind at all with how you think, how effective you think they both would be. Maybe some terminology stuff. Like if they're changing yeah. terminology, that could be something that would trip him up. If he hasn't been in there getting those kind of communications reps, the mental mm-hmm. reps, you know, play call checks, you know, you'll see linebackers at the line and, and, and safeties, you know, maybe they'll clap or maybe they'll put their arms out or something like that, where they have a, a check or a signal like that. But again, really like he doesn't even need to know what's going on behind him. As long as he knows what the guy next to him is doing, you know, are we stunning? Are we twisting? Is it some kind of game? No, I'm just rushing. Okay, great. Here we go. You know, I mean, there's, there's not that much to playing defensive end. And I, I don't expect him to be limited by his lack of mental reps and knowledge on that kind of thing. If anything, like I said, you're worried about soft tissue injury uh, or maybe just not being in shape, you know, maybe needing to come out a little bit more, than Nick Bosa usually does, but mm-hmm. I, those would be the only real things that I, I think I would be you know, really concerned about. I, yeah. I expect him to be a really good player. I feel like this is somewhat turned into a 49ers podcast with this Nick Bosa saga going on over the last couple of days. Like, you know, I, I, I said 49ers when I was a kid, I always they were kind of oh, really? like, like I was, I like Joe Montana uh, a lot. I thought he was a good player. I liked their offense, I thought it was creative. 
Um, yeah, I, I thought they were very, I mean, how, who doesn't like Jerry Rice? I don't know. I thought they were very yeah. likable. It's very rare to me that I think great teams are likable. And I thought those great 49ers teams of the early 1990s, Montana, Rice, uh, guys like Roger Craig, Tom Rathman, like I thought they were very, a, a very likable uh, team. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was, uh, I was kind of, you know, obviously I grew up a Steelers fan, but I was kind of pulled for the 49ers. I, I hope they did well. And uh, yeah, 49ers podcast. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I do want to kind of switch gears a little bit here um, and talk to so, so Nick and I went over a lot of stuff that came up in Tom on Tuesday. Hold on. However, can we do one, one more. Can we do one more thing on Bosa though, before we get, get, get into, I mean, stuff? I guess so. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I just, I just want to say, I think this uh, makes the TJ Watt contract look pretty good. Oh, yeah, you know, I, sure. I think if you if you hold these two, like, would I mean, would you rather have at the same, you know, would you would you rather have Bosa for thirty four million or TJ for twenty eight? Like, I think I would rather have TJ for twenty eight. And yeah, two years have passed, and so you expect the new contract to be higher. Like, I, like you, you know, we said before, Micah Parsons when he signs his, he'll probably be the, you mm-hmm. know, the next top one up there. But uh, I feel like, you know. It's it's hard to say when you give a guy the be- the highest contract in the league at his position that you're getting a good deal, but the Steelers did that with TJ, and I think with the way it lines up, I, th- I think it looks now that we have something more relevant to compare it to. I think it looks like a pretty good deal. Are the Cowboys going to try to manipulate this and not pay Parsons as as an edge rusher because that's like an elite premium position? Well, if they salary, if they if they try to franchise tag him, yes, absolutely, they're going to pay him like an off ball linebacker. Yeah. Um, yeah but, so I'm I'm talking about like yeah, even that conversation before we get to like a long term thing. Like yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I mean, so I mean, he still has this year and next year under his rookie deal, and then 25 mm-hmm. would be his option year, and they could tag him in 26. So it could be a long time before things came up with Micah Parsons. But, yeah, I expect they're going to try to play, pay him like an off-ball linebacker. I would try to pay him like an off-ball linebacker. Yeah, see. it just popped in my mind as we were talking about it here. Yeah, with how that goes. Things. Now, obviously, I mean, he does a lot more than that. He's one yeah. of the best defensive players in all football. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I assume that, that they're going to try to pay him at a discount. I don't know who the other – who I'm, I'm not sure who else would be kind of in that conversation in terms of those uh, top contract – defensive players that might be coming up you know next i don't garrett doesn't come up till after tj tj might be again he comes up in 26 the same year actually that parsons does Mm. um and so i i don't know who who would kind of be that next one Um, yeah match crosby just signed last year and he was four years yeah i don't know yeah i mean like the you know, I don't think there's anybody. You know, I'm trying to think of like a defensive tackle. Like, I, I don't, I don't. When's when's Donald's contract up? Like, that's that's to me like I don't that. Know. Quinn and Williams 20, just signed. Yeah, Aaron Donald comes up in 25. So I think really Aaron Donald is probably the next guy. And who knows? I mean, he's he's already 31. I don't know. Like, yeah, you know, he he may not get that that top contract again uh, at this point in his career. We'll see. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, where I wanted to pivot to, though, was a, a, 
conversation that Nick and I didn't have at all when talking about stuff that Tom brought up on Tuesday. That's about special teams. Um, special teams has obviously played a key role for the Steelers. Uh, well, all the time is a key role. Tomlin loves his special teams guys, but especially within the reason that they won these last two openers that we always talk about beating better teams in the bills and the Bengals. And he, he touched on special teams, touched on a guy in miles Killebrew who was named the captain, which at one point, you know, we weren't even like sure that he was going to make the 53 man roster because he doesn't really do anything on defense. Tomlin doesn't care about that. He's the guy on special teams. What were some of your takeaways from that part of the conversation? Yeah, I thought it just, uh, the thing I thought was really interesting was Tomlin was asked kind of directly what lead, what goes into those big plays that the Steelers have had on special teams in week mm. one the last two years. And they got a blocked punt for a touchdown in Buffalo in 2021. That was Killebrew who blocked the punt. And now I'm having a hard time remembering who returned it. Uly- Ulysses Gilbert. Yeah, Yuli Gilbert, right? And then in, last year, of course, Minka Fitzpatrick blocks – the extra point to send the game to overtime uh, a couple of really big special teams plays. And I think the question was asked from the standpoint of, Hey, what are you doing on week one? You know, got Danny Smith in here cooking up new looks and, and are you fooling teams with things they haven't seen on tape before? And Tomlin's answer I thought was very, very key to me was that he's like, no, you know, usually Big plays and special teams are not about what somebody did right. It's about what somebody did wrong. He used the word negligence, mm. which I loved. You know, he's like, <laughs> somebody screwed up. And last year, of course, it was the backup long snapper for the Bengals, right? That, you know, took too long to get the ball back and gives Minka that opportunity. I haven't broken down that pun against the Bills in a while, but I'm assuming somebody missed an assignment or missed a block or something. And so he was talking about how, you know, negligence is what causes big plays on special teams, not, you know, creativity from one side or the other, and how the Steelers have been in those week ones a cleaner team because they've had that core group of special teamers that have stuck around for years and years. But this year, things are kind of the other way. If you look at their core special teamers from last year, Derek Watts gone, Benny Snell's gone, Zach Gentry's gone, Marcus Allen is gone. Uh, Robert Spillane is gone. Um, and so they're missing Art Millette. Uh, they're missing a bunch of guys that were key special teamers for them in the past. Now, I think I like the sort of makeup of the group that is set to replace those guys. People like Elijah Riley, Nick Herbig, Mark Robinson, um, you know, I, I Connor Hayward. You know, th- those are players that I like that I think can do a good job on special teams, but it's not experienced group it's not as as experienced a group as the Steelers have had and I think if you're looking at you know the way that's played out you know maybe the Steelers are the ones that need to be worried about a big special teams play going the other way in this game as opposed to being the team that gets it the one area where I would say maybe that's not the case would be you know in the punt return game I thought Calvin Austin was electric in the preseason um I definitely think he can be a weapon for them there and I feel like that's a position where sometimes teams just need to learn that you can't kick to a guy. Somebody's somebody's got to bite the bullet and learn a hard lesson, right? I think that's something you see around the league often is that once a player breaks a couple returns against somebody, then the rest of the teams that follow are like, all right, we see, never mind, not going to do that. Um, 
I don't know that they care about the special teams kicks in that way, though. I don't know if a couple big returns against Atlanta's special teamers and Buffalo's special teamers is going to scare anyone. A couple in the regular season will. And so maybe that's a place where I, I think the Steelers could make some splash in special teams. But I think in terms of like kick blocking and kick protect, they're probably the shoe is probably on the other foot uh, here in terms of they're the, the less experienced team that is hoping everything holds together here for this first game and hoping there's no missed assignments and big plays the other way that end up hurting them. With how much turnover there's been on special teams lately and them bringing him back, do you think there's a chance we see Miles Boykin get a helmet on game days and be active just because of special teams? I do. I do. I, I think um, I was kind of jotting down some notes at practice today just about like who was playing where and, and doing what. And I was kind of thinking to myself, I was like, huh, who's going to get that helmet on offense? And you kind of look at it and it's like, you know, I kind of think Miles Boykin, pretty important special teamer, like weren't going to keep him if he wasn't going to play. I do think he's going to get a helmet. I think it might be interesting to see who that comes in place of. Is it, I mean, Anthony McFarlane's a kick returner, so I don't think it's going to be him. Right. I mean, he's got a special yeah. teams role as well. Um, so maybe there's like a, a maybe it's Gunner. You know, he, he's a, he can play special teams too, obviously, but maybe he's the odd man out in that offense. I think it's very interesting. Obviously, like Dylan Cook is going to be scratched, but um, you know, I, I think it'll be very interesting to see and and keep track of through the year who gets that last helmet on offense because, yeah, I mean Boykin's another guy that I really felt like they kept just for special teams. I don't think he did enough in training camp to earn a spot as a wide receiver, but he's a big guy, um, got pretty good hands. Maybe he can be useful there. But really, uh, the reason he's kept around is is because of special teams. And specifically with Miles Kilbrew being the captain, uh, w- did he touch on why specifically him? I mean, Miles has been the captain. I'm not mm-hmm. sure that there's a, um, you know, a, a specific thing that he does uh, or, or, or re- uh, you know, I just think to me, um, he is the person that uh, – Here's 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 Mike's quote, and and I'm I'm, I'm this is exactly where I was going to go with it. Um, and Mike says his kick blocking ability, his passion, his attention to detail, his leadership, and then you know goes on to talk about how and, and said that Killebrew is probably the most central remaining figure. Um, the attention to detail on special teams, I think, to me, is the thing that stands out about Miles Killebrew, is that he, you know. I think a lot of people do special teams and and are pretty open about would rather be doing something else, you know? And I think he's a guy that is very about special teams to like I remember seeing him at training camp one day this year where he was over on the second practice field working with like a, a you know, a, a coaching assistant or a ball boy or something, I don't know, about like getting off his block and like where to put his hands you know, to block the punt where he, he, he would like, he would get off his block and like, okay, did I get my hands in the right zone? Am I high enough? Am I too low? Do I need to dive more? Like that's sort of like, I mean, that's like the TJ Watt of special teamers, right? Where you see like TJ, like going into the film room for s- seven hours to come up with like oh, the right tackle twitches his eye when it's a run, you know? And it's like, how do you know yeah. this stuff, man? Like that's to me, <laughs> I, think, I think Miles Killebrew puts in that level of dedication to being a special teamer. And I think that's why he's a captain. And I think it's pretty well deserved for the amount of effort that he puts into. 
He knows what his meal ticket is. Yeah, he's here for special teams, so he puts everything he has into it. Got to yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, and I think that that gets also. I think that helps with buy-in from the other guys. You know, when you see, if you're a young player first in the NFL and you're coming out of like a bit, you know, either you were a regular on a big college program or you were the dude at a small college program and you come in the NFL and they're like, yeah, sorry, you're not playing any defense. Here's a helmet. You got 10 snaps. Most of them are kickoff. Good luck. I think, I think to a lot of people, that's like a shock to the system. That's like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. This isn't what I signed up for. And I think to be able to see, and Miles is a great leader too, I think. But but just to see the attention, the detail, and the dedication he puts into this craft, I think really opens their eyes about, wow, this is a really serious process. It's a huge part of this game. And you can have a really long career being a good special teams player in the NFL if you take it as seriously as this guy is. Right. Um, I do have some stuff from YouTube I want to get into. I didn't know if there's anything over the last couple of days, obviously, that you haven't been here that you thought you wanted to bring up on the show and maybe put out there. Hmm. No, no, I mean, not really. I was trying to unplug, trying to get away. So I, I was, sense. um, yeah, just doing my thing. Oh, wait, I want to ask what you make of the, the one thing that we did talk about yesterday was Tomlin talking about really defending Shanahan's scheme as opposed to like Brock Purdy himself. It's more about the scheme. Yeah. Well, I mean, not to like, put some bulletin board material out here or anything, but like Brock Purdy, isn't that good? Like there was a reason the guy was a seventh round pick. Okay. Yeah. The scheme is elevating the player here clearly. And the scheme has elevated other players. Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty clear that we have a scheme that is capable of elevating quarterbacks and you get a seventh rounder. Who's a smart guy. Got a pretty good arm. It's a great situation. You know, uh, if you can't have success in that offense, you're in trouble. You know, I think as a quarterback, I think it it really says a lot about Trey Lance that he wasn't able to pick it up and get into it in a way that, um, you know, they were willing to give up on him. Uh, that being said, you know, I think Brock Purdy seems to have really picked up the things about this offense that are the keys for a quarterback to execute. And I think he's pretty good at them. Uh, and so I think that helps too, you know, they do a lot of sideways stuff, not just in terms of like play action, but in misdirection and uh, you know, your quarterback kind of has to be a salesman there, right? You know, you can't, can't like halfway fakes. You can't, you, know, you want to carry out that, that, that arm fake all the way on every play. Like he's good at that stuff. I think I think he makes this system fit. I think that's why there was a very high comfort level with him, even coming off an injury, even though he was a seventh-round pick, to be like, look, we don't need Trey Lance anymore. This is our guy. Um, so you are defending the system. And, and and let's be real honest here. Like, a, the system is – if you don't stop the runs – it does not matter about Brock Purdy when you're talking about the San Francisco 49ers. If, if you let McCaffrey mm-hmm. and Debo Samuel beat you, then you've already lost. And so the, 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 the passing game doesn't matter. They're going to run the ball. Uh, stopping the run will be a huge key. And I think that's really what Tomlin was kind of hinting at there is like, 
To us, it doesn't matter who they play at quarterback. That's not the important thing to do here in this game. The important thing to do here is stopping Christian McCaffrey, stopping their sideways guys in space like Kittle and like Samuel. And if we're making Purdy beat us with throws down the field and he happens to, okay. Like, I think that's a trade-off the Steelers. Maybe not we'll take, but I think that's the box the Steelers want to put the 49ers in. You know, and if they can, if if they beat them anyway from that box, then then they beat them. But I think that's where they want the 49ers to be. They want Brock Purdy to be the problem. They don't want it to be Kittle and and Samuel and those guys running all over them uh, on the four yard air, air yard passes that I could throw, mm-hmm. let alone Brock Purdy. Yeah, like, absolutely. I, I can throw them at all. I have a terrible one. I <laughs> just, just, I mean. I get no idea where it's going. With actually, the arm is fine. Arm strength is fine. We've got no radar, no GPS, homing, nothing. We've just pray and spray. That's gotcha. it. Gotcha. All right. Well, there's been there's been several uh, pirates pitchers that I've seen have the exact same issue in the past. So, um, all right. Let's get to some stuff from YouTube. There was actually a couple things that I thought were really interesting and good topics. Uh, my guy Thomas Brosius. You know what we should call him? T Bro. T Bro says. Brocious? Brocious, maybe? Thomas Brocious? We'll roll with that. We can roll with T-Bro, whatever he wants us to roll with here. Uh, How much of an impact do you think Darnell Washington will play against the 49ers? Do you think this is a game where 12 personnel that we keep hearing about actually comes in and makes a big difference? And I'm going to change the last part of his question because he said, does the strategy change if Bosa doesn't sign? So I will say, now that Bosa has signed, will we see more of it than we would have without? Scott Brocious was the third baseman for the Yankees. It's spelled the same? Uh, uh, it is B-R-O-S-I-U-S. Yeah, yeah. It's Scott, okay. Scott Brocious was a – I'm just going to – All right. Greg, tell your brother Scott I said what's up. Uh, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I think you will see more 12 personnel against teams that have elite edge rushers because – and I think we talked about this before too, but, you know, Pat Frymuth is really, really not – best suited to be a hand in the ground tight end that can help chip a defensive end. When you look mm-hmm. at his route running productivity, like the yards per route run, he is so much better when he is either, you know, wing back or flexed out into space and away from the formation and able to get that free release and, and, and get a running start. He's so much better. And so I think, when you have those situations where you know you're saying we got to get a chip on this guy, we need to give our tackle help with this guy. I think that's what Darnell Washington is going to be for. We'll come in and he'll be able to help for the tackle, and that lets Pat Fryermuth essentially kind of in those situations become the de facto slot receiver. You're basically taking Allen Robinson off the field and moving Pat Fryermuth into that role and leaving Washington in to help with an offensive lineman. You know, I think Nick wrote today at SteelersNow.com you should go there and read it about, you know, calling Washington the X factor in this game. And, you know, I don't think anyone is predicting myself or Nick at all that he is going to get a lot of catches. I think his X factor will be his blocking the ability. I, I put up on, on uh, here on the YouTube channel, uh, some video of the tackles and tight ends working together, tandem blocking uh, in the run. That will be a key is if they can run at him, if they can chip him, then they can really neutralize Nick Bosa with their personnel in a pretty big way and still leave 
in Fryermuth and, and Pickens and Johnson, three really dangerous receivers on the field. I think that's what we are going to see. I would be surprised if that's not what we're going to see. I think we'll also see, um, you know, obviously Allen Robinson's going to play and, and be an important part of the offense, but I do think we're going to see some more 12 personnel in this game specifically, maybe then you can, and, and maybe next week too, because uh, the Browns and, and even week three with Crosby, there will be other teams though, where that will not be the case, you know, and I think those will be the teams maybe that have uh, the more elite secondaries where you feel like you need um, a, another viable receiving option to keep teams from just doubling up both guys on the outside and saying, Hey, if Fryermuth gets five yards, he gets it. We'll take that, you know? And so there's some give and take. I like their ability to mix and match on offense between how much will Robinson play? How much will Washington play? How much will Connor Hayward play? Maybe we'll get some pony in there with Jalen Warren as a second running back in the formation. I expect to see and Calvin Austin in there too. I expect Mm -hmm. to see a lot of all that. So moving parts, um, but I think 12 personnel is definitely looking like a, a piece of this game plan that, that could be a thing for the Steelers. Yeah, I, I'm just so intrigued. A big thing for me that I love to do after each week is look at snap counts. So I'm curious to see after just one week where we see the snap counts are, because is it going to be, you know, like we talked about this before. If we see a lot of 12 personnel, it probably means Allen Robinson's off the field. So, you know, how much of Darnell Washington are we going to see right out the gate? Um, I think also, too, talking about that, when you talk about Bosa to Garrett to Crosby, like really good benchmark to see where they're at with this, especially like in 12 personnel and just across the board where they're at with these matchups. It's a great defense. I mean, it really is. This is going to be a very good game, a very tough game. Um, I think there's a, a, you know, a strong test for this, the Steelers offense here, not, you know, if, if you if you get beat up by Bosa, you've got two teams lined up behind them that can take advantage of the same things, you know. So I think that's key. But also, this is a team that turns the ball over. The Steelers' biggest difference between the first half of the season and the second half of the season to me was they did not turn the ball over. The one time in the second half of the season they did was the game Mitch Trubisky threw it away against the Ravens, and that was the game mm-hmm. they lost down the stretch. You know, I really think this is a team that is, that – understands the importance of holding on to the football and uh this will be a team that will that is good at taking it away and and i think there's uh, a pretty solid challenge there i think we're going to learn a lot you know, i've been writing this week about um you know, steelers burning questions right you know how good can kenny pickett be will matt canada turn out to be the guy i think this is a good way for us to find the answers to those questions not in full because that'll be played out over the course of the season, but, but to get a mm-hmm. sneak peek at, at what we're getting in terms of those answers. Yeah. And another one that I really liked here, uh, former Steeler Javon Hardrave, now a member of the 49ers because he couldn't stomach the idea. Uh, this, these weren't his words. I'm kind of over-exaggerating the idea of being a Cleveland Brown. He couldn't do that because he was a Steeler. It meant too much to him, um, but he's now with the 49ers and someone wants to know, what is the assignment there? Like who from the interior offensive line do you think sees the most of Javon Hargrave and how will that matchup go? You know, I tried to look this up and I don't really know. Um, it seems like that generally Javon Hargrave lines up as the right defensive tackle, which would put him against Isaac Samalu. But it seems like they kind of mix and match him and Eric Armstead in there a good bit. Um, mm. And, you know, I mean, one of those guys is getting double teamed most of the time. 
if I'm the Steelers, I think I like that matchup. I think I like Samalo against Javon Hargrave, and that lets Daniels and Cole work against Armstead together. Um, I think I like that the, the best, and then give you know give give your um, give you your right tackle Chooks some help with Nick Bosa. He usually plays on the left, although he plays on both sides. Um, and then you know the other side, Drake Jackson was a second round pick last year. Cleveland Farrell, uh, kind of a failed first round pick, came over from the Raiders. Uh, I expect to see both of them over there, not as as dangerous a guy. So to me, if I'm looking at this defensive line, I'm thinking, okay, we could if we could single up one end and Hargrave, then we can kind of give help with Bosa and double his tackle. And I think that's kind of the way I would approach it. So to me, that says Daniels and Cole on Armstead, Chooks and that tight end on Bosa, singled up on the left side with Sam Alu on Hargrave. I mean, I said that wrong. No, Sam Alu on Hargrave and and more on Jackson or Farrell. But we'll see. I, I think the 49ers, uh, you know, anytime you have a team with a new scheme, a new coordinator, it's really hard to say going into week one exactly what they're going to do, how they're going to look. They can come out in a 3-4 for all I know. You know, I don't know. We'll see. But I, I think it's um, – I think that's what's – that would be my guess as to what's going to happen. Let's just say it that way. And we could look at what they did in the preseason and stuff, but not only was Nick Bosa not there, but again, teams aren't really showing you everything that they're going to do in the regular season anyway. So not a great indicator there either. Yeah, and like, you know, there's not that much difference between playing the left side D-tackle and playing the right side D-tackle. If you feel like you have a better matchup, you can flip them. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. You're one foot off the ball either way. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, I'll, wait, I got to get your take on something else. We Derek asked us this yesterday. This is kind of a joke, but I want to get your take on this. Who do you think in the media space would win a Pittsburgh sports media space would win a three point contest? Hmm. Because by the way, whoever you're going to say, I am issuing an open challenge at my courts right back here behind my house. I want all the smoke, whether it's Derek coming out here, whoever it might be. Uh, Nick threw out Mike DeFabo. I don't care who it is. I want them on the court. Didn't Fable let play lacrosse? I'm, I'm not sure there's a lot of carry over there. I don't know yeah. that I could I don't know that I could get on board with that. Um you know, in his day, I think Joe Starkey was a pretty good basketball player, but with respect to Joe, his day might be in the rearview <laughs> mirror. Um this is a good question. Uh Kale Berger can hoop. I, I listen. I mentioned him already. I mentioned him yesterday. I said I don't care that he shows up in a headband with his mango shorts. I want him on this court as well. So, but I'm not sure he's the three point guy. Like I, I don't know that that would be. Yeah, the, Nick said he's um, a slasher. Yeah, I, I don't think that's. I think that's his game. Um, I'll go. Brian Batko uh, was a point guard. No, Taylor. You know what? Uh, I'm sorry. It wasn't. Not, not, no disrespect to Defabo, but it was Batko that Nick said. It wasn't Defabo. Okay. okay. Uh, I think Batco would be my choice. I think, yeah, I mean, he, he was, a, he's a perimeter player. I think that's, that, that, that makes the most sense for me. All right. Not, so not the tallest guy, but I think we can work with that. I just, I'm putting this, this out there then for whether it's Batco, Kale, Derek, doesn't matter who senior Kale, year of high Kale school will show up. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Like I, Kale will show up. Uh, you know, in between professional golf rounds, as he's now, you know, <laughs> b- big time with his uh golf show yeah. there on 93.7. But 
Yeah, I think I think Batco would be my choice. You know, no longer eligible for this um, as, as per your rules. Jeremy Fowler, uh, he could hoop. Uh, he's, a, okay. he's a pretty good basketball player too. Uh, when he was around, you know, very interesting that I don't think we have any former basketball players in the Pittsburgh media. You know, like all all football players among our you know doran dickerson mm. craig wolfley yeah. charlie batch you know the, the that group it's all it's kind of all all football players and and honestly not a receiver or a db in that group either you know it's a, a bunch of bigger guys so if they were playing basketball you know max starks i, I don't think he was a three-point shooter <laughs> max might have been a center uh, i'm not yeah. saying i want to try to box out max but you know, I'm not sure three point shooting is the thing. I think I'll go back, Co. Um, I'll, I'll I'll sleep on this. If I come up with a better answer, I'll let you know. That's that's my. Right. It is well, not that's... me. In addition, we're just you know dumping on my athletic prowess in this in this episode. In addition to having a terribly erratic arm, can't shoot at all. I played basketball when I was in middle school because I was the tallest kid on the team, and I was like a tree. I was just like I'll catch it and I'll throw it to somebody else. That's all I'm good for. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll miss you in a challenge then to back go to Kale Bird. It doesn't matter who it is. Show up. I represented uh senior year of high school. I re- represented my class in the three point contest for our winter Olympics and I'm ready to go. So. All right. Go. And that's a great way, in my opinion, to end the show, unless you got anything else, Alan. I've got nothing that's going to top that. All right. Tell the people where they can find you at a Saunders underscore PGH on X. I think, I think we're going to have to go with, it. I, I just, I think, <sighs> Think it's I mean, that's how it ju- it is showing up right now. I have the tab open. Home X. Still so. don't like it. Uh, at PGH Steelers now on X and YouTube, uh, which is where this show lives. Make sure you like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. You check out all our stuff from practice. And uh, I'm putting up a Kenny Pickett interview here as soon as this show goes up, goes up. So later this afternoon, um, and all kinds of stuff. So check that out as well. SteelersNow.com is where the words live. Read those. That's how I get paid. There you go. I am Zachary Smith, PGH. As Alan said, like, subscribe, hit that notification bell, comment down below. We love reading the comments to close out the show. So let us know what you guys want us to talk about on the next episode. Uh, If you're listening somewhere else that isn't YouTube, be sure to leave us a five-star review there as well. Subscribe, do all that stuff wherever you're listening or watching. And check out the site, as Alan said. Alan, Nick, Derek, all the guys over there doing great work. So uh, for Alan, I'm Smitty, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.